The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this week we've been, um, I've been working with a group who is coming to this non-residential daily life practice retreat. And so this evening I thought I would kind of review or pull together some threads that have come up over the week and, and just kind of pull it together. So it, some of this, for those of you who have been coming during the week, will, will be familiar, but um, it's, it, it never hurts to hear things multiple times. Uh, the Buddha repeated himself a lot, so I feel like I'm in good company with that. And, um, and also sometimes the, just I, I say things in different ways and it may land in a different way. And also you're different. I discovered um, for myself that there were times in, um, in, in Dharma talks where I didn't hear things and, um, and then I would go back or you know, I could listen back perhaps to a, a tape or I'd hear a teacher talking about something that I had not heard at all um, and then when I finally recognized it in my own experience, then I started hearing the teacher talk about it. So sometimes we, we don't hear everything and there's different ways when you, you land in a particular room in a certain way, you may hear things differently. So um, receiving, relax and receive this uh, talk and just see how it lands. You could almost treat it like a, a mindfulness practice, taking in the, uh, the words and noticing how they land. And so it is a kind of, I've been talking this week about um, what one of my teachers, Sayadaw Utejaniya, calls 50-50 mindfulness. 50% of the attention on content of what the experience is, what we're doing, what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're engaged in, and 50% of the attention on how we are. And so, you know, you don't have to put all of your attention on what I'm saying, but... Um, you know, some 50% or so, about half your attention on what I'm saying. And, and then how does it land? You can, you can just kind of take the words that I'm saying and how does, it, how does it affect you? So this is a way of practicing mindfulness while listening, uh, which is a skillful um, practice to cultivate for our uh, daily life in any case. So the, the topic that I really want to explore is mindfulness. Um, we explore a lot about mindfulness here. Um, what, what is mindfulness? I mean, we, we might think we kind of know what it is. We have some kind of familiar words. Being present, perhaps. Awareness. Um, these might be in the flavor of what mindfulness is. Uh, knowing what's happening while it's happening. These are, these are words that kind of reflect what we mean when we say, be mindful. It's related to this very natural, in the guided meditation I mentioned that mindfulness is kind of connected to a very natural function of our, of our minds. Um, we have this human ability to know that we know. It's um, part of what makes us human, that we can kind of know ourselves in a way, remember ourselves, know what we're doing in the present moment, know that we are a human being doing something. And so it's related to this very simple capacity, the capacity of us that, that um, lets us recognize our experience in the present moment. And yet that itself is not quite what the Buddha meant by what is termed right mindfulness. And so in, in the, the teachings, in the, the Buddha's teachings, most of the time when he mentioned the word mindfulness, it refers to this right mindfulness that he was speaking about. Um, but there were times when he actually used the phrase wrong mindfulness. And so to me, the fact that he even used that phrase, wrong mindfulness, it's not very many times in the suttas. And it's almost always connected with, uh, it doesn't, it's not defined as being anything. 
it's not it's not given a specific definition that is but it is um in the context of uh, wrong view and so uh, there's the the eightfold path of wise wise view wise understanding two words for the same thing wise view wise intention wise speech wise action wise livelihood wise effort wise mindfulness wise concentration and there the view is what shapes the whole direction of how all of those paths of the, eight, the the factors of the eightfold path unfold. The view around what is suffering and what is um, freedom from suffering. And so the view that shapes that, a simple way of expressing it might be um, our, um, our minds have kind of these different uh, ethical, we could call them ethical, but they're really, um, we could say there's a reactive set of things that our mind do and a more open and connected set of things that our minds do. And so uh, the Buddha pointed out the view, one of the key views he pointed out is that when we are acting from greed, aversion, delusion, He called those the three roots of what will lead us into struggle and suffering. And so he pointed out those three qualities as being, if you practice those, if your mind reinforces those, if if you keep acting out on those things, that more of that will be cultivated. And if you turn instead towards qualities of non greed, non aversion, non delusion, Maybe more positively we could say generosity for non-greed, love for non-aversion, and wisdom for non-delusion. If, we're, if we cultivate those qualities, that will reinforce more of that. And so this is a simple kind of mechanism that the Buddha points to being at work. Whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of our mind. That's a a kind of a famous quote from the Buddha. Whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of our mind. This is well um, understood in neuropsychology, this sense of, I think it's framed sometimes in neuropsychology, neurons that fire together, wire together. That when we frequently engage in certain things, when the brain is kind of engaged in a certain pattern, then more neurons come to support that. So it's just a kind of very almost neutral function of our minds that, this, that, that it works like this. But the Buddha pointed out that there's these kind of distinctions between these qualities and that the area of greed, aversion, and delusion, those are the qualities of mind that are leading us into suffering. And so he said, see if you can find ways to support letting go of those and cultivate more of the wholesome, more of the qualities connected to non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion. This would include love, compassion, wisdom, um, peace, calm, patience, delight, joy, those kinds of qualities. He said if you cultivate those, more happiness will, will follow. And so this perspective around these, these, you know, this kind of two paths that our mind can take, this is kind of the framing of right view. He, he pointed to cultivating a kind of mindfulness that recognizes greed, aversion, and delusion are not helpful. And we can do that by coming into the experience in the present moment and noticing what is happening in the present moment. And fortunately, our organism or our system, our, just our human organism, is very in line with this uh, understanding. Because as soon as we turn with mindfulness, as soon as we begin using that natural reflective capacity of mind to look at what's happening in our mind, to look at these experiences, when states connected to greed, aversion, and delusion are happening, there is an experience of non-well-being in the moment. The, the, our usual relationship 
before we meet a teaching like this might be when we, um, you know, we're motivated by greed or we're motivated by aversion. We're we're kind of oriented out to the the thing that we want to get or want to get rid of. And so we're not actually looking at or noticing what the experience of greed or the experience of aversion is in this moment. And so we're missing. We are missing that the experience, that the momentary, that the experience in the moment when those things are happening is not peace, it's not calm, it's not well-being. It's suffering, actually. But our minds miss that because they're kind of leaping into the future and um, fantasizing, imagining what it's going to be like when I get that thing or get rid of that thing. And that fantasy itself has a pleasant quality. And we haven't learned to pay attention to the actual experience of what's arising here and now. And so this, um, and likewise, if we turn and, and explore and look at, well, what does it feel like when I feel generosity or patience or love, or, or compassion, we feel in that moment kind of the heart being soft, connected. There's a, a feeling more in the direction of well-being. And so this form of mindfulness, this wise mindfulness of curiosity about experience in the moment as human experience, not as experience of what can, what can this do for me? How can I get something as a result of, of having this happening right now? Or how can I get rid of something? But just like, well, what is this experience? This is what's coming up. So what is it? How does it feel? When we, when we explore our experience with that way, and I would call that wise mindfulness, and the simple way we could ex- uh, define wise mindfulness is that curiosity about experience as an experience arising in the present moment. It sounds like maybe it's not much. How can that be anything? Knowing an experience as an experience arising in the present moment. But it's very different than our usual perspective. We are usually, we may be noticing something arising in the present moment and believing we need to follow through on it and, you know, just kind of having our lives be shaped by that energy shaped by that movement of greed or aversion as opposed to recognizing this, this is a human being experiencing greed or aversion right now and this is what it feels like. So that's what this wise mindfulness is, a turning towards experience and being curious about it. What is this experience that's arising right now? What is this experience? So um, wrong mindfulness is um, is perhaps an awareness that shaped it's it's a, a mindfulness shaped by what is called wrong view, which generally um, one simple way to think about wrong view is a view that I'm in the center of the universe, that I am that I ha- that I am the uh, am an existing, uh, enduring kind of thing walking around that the so this this moves into a a deeper teaching that I'm not going to speak about too much but this this perspective around kind of self it's kind of being wrapped up in 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 yourself Um, and when our mindfulness is wrapped up in a sense of I and me and mine and what can I get and how can I get it and what can I get rid of and how can I get more of this and less of that when the mindfulness is connected with that perspective the Buddha said that is not going to lead to that well-being that freedom that happiness that that was the the kind of question he asked himself when he went on his journey when he left his home and and asked the question is it possible for human beings to be free from struggle and suffering and he found that this kind of looping inward, this self-centeredness is a big piece of why we str- struggle and suffer. And another big piece of why we struggle and suffer is this kind of orientation towards um, not recognizing greed, aversion, and delusion as being kind of the thing that keeps us tied into this wheel of suffering. That the more we act on greed, aversion, and delusion, the more greed, aversion, and delusion come up. And whether we recognize it or not, that greed, aversion, and delusion is creating stress in our system. It's creating tension and tightness and pain 
And this is a lot of what we suffer with. This, this, uh, this movement of the mind to crave something. N- to feel like I need this in order to be okay. This is not to say that um, desire, uh, you know, a movement towards feeding ourselves, nourishing ourselves, taking care of our families and our and our um, friends, that that that's not it. Do, that does not have to be craving. So craving is this kind of very sticky, needy quality where it's, it's, it's like our mind has got this one track and it's like that, that has to happen. There is another form of desire that we could call more aspiration, more a sense of possibility or direction. And if we even think about the difference in those uh, kind of experientially, the um, the experience of this has got to be the way it is, it can't be any other way, is very rigid. It's pretty tight. It's pretty constricted. And so that's, you know, that's one kind of clue that it's not, it's not well-being. Actually, when we feel into that experience of it's got to be this way, it doesn't feel like well-being. It feels like a problem. When we have a sense of aspiration, of possibility, there's not that constrictedness. It's much more, it much more feels free, flexible, like you can move in many different directions. And so that, again, is a kind of a clue that this is a direction or this is a possibility. We can, we can take action out of this sense of possibility without it needing to be held in this tight way. And so the mindfulness that we're um, cultivating here helps us to, I mean, so first of all, we have to get this perspective the Buddha offered, this perspective around um, what is it that leads to happiness and what is it that leads to suffering and struggle? And then beginning to recognize that, this tool of mindfulness helps us actually recognize it. Our system, our organism will support us in this. Because when we turn and use this very natural reflective capacity that the the Buddha is talking about, oriented around, and what is this experience happening right now? Very directly, our system gives us feedback. These kinds of qualities, these reactive states of mind, not in the present moment, very conducive to happiness and well-being. These other qualities of mind, much more, uh, the, the heart feels open, connected, there's a sense of possibility, there's much more, and at times even a sense of deep well-being. So this is the direction. That, so our system, when, when we turn with mindfulness to our, our inner landscape with this curiosity, what is this experience as a human being? What is this, this thing that's happening right now? How does it feel to be a human being that this is happening in? When we, when we explore that, our own organism begins to, to teach us which things are helpful and which things are not helpful. And not only that, with this practice of mindfulness, it's like our system starts to get a completely different education. Because in... Before we began exploring in this way, certainly, you know, in my, in my own experience, um, as I began exploring one of my early um, big things that got me into the practice, anger, I began to see that, you know, first of all, I recognized pretty quickly, wow, this hurts. This, this doesn't feel good right now. Um, but I also saw that the mind somehow believed it was helping me, that it was it was a good thing. It was going to make me happier at some point. It clearly wasn't making me feel good right now, but at some point I would get it all worked out and then I would be happy. And so our, um, our usual way of, of meeting these things, our usual way of kind of being aware of them, isn't to look into the direct experience. And when we do, 
So not only does our, our, our system give us this feedback about what direction is helpful, but because our system, our organism, actually you know, fundamentally wants to move in the direction of well-being, this is a great thing about uh, our human organism. It's been very confused about how well-being might be possible. In my example of, of the anger, you know, my... My, my training, my conditioning around getting what I wanted and figuring my life out and navigating life taught me, my conditioning had taught me that when I acted out on the anger that I could navigate and control and fix things and that at some point in the future I might be happy and that that was the strategy. And so my conditioning offered me that strategy as a strategy to happiness completely missing that I was miserable, just utterly miserable in the moment. And so as our uh, organism begins to get this information that these reactive patterns are misery-making, basically, our organism begins to, to kind of figure out how to adjust. So sometimes we in seeing difficult things, especially in this daily life practice that we're doing, sometimes we wake up into seeing challenging experience. We see, um, you know, and, and this is what mindfulness does. It reveals to us what our minds have been conditioned to do and all of those habits and patterns. And so sometimes when we wake up into that, it, 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 well, it hurts. And that is actually our system beginning to get its education. It's beginning to learn, yeah, this is not actually so helpful. But we might think that we have to do something about that. We might think that we have to stop it somehow or not do that again somehow or somehow turn that conditioning off. Tell ourselves, I don't need that anymore. That would be great if we could do that. It doesn't seem to work. There's one... um, you know, teaching around this kind of not self-teaching, you know, these, these conditioned patterns, these, the ways that we've learned through our families, through our education, we've learned certain strategies for navigating the world. Some of those strategies helped us at certain points. They may not be helping us so much now, but, um, you know, they're, they're kind of deeply ingrained because whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of the mind. We have frequently engaged in these patterns. That's what we've learned to do. So of course they happen. They're conditioned. And they are also not self. The Buddha points to, um, in various uh, ways he points to, and I'll just, I'll bring it in in one particular flavor. There's a, a frame for pretty much all of our reactive emotions, all of our mind states, Um, he uses a a word that encompasses all of it. It might be what we think of as both the emotional and thought and mental and heart aspect of our experience. It's a big part of our experience. It includes our emotions. It includes mind states. It includes things that we wouldn't necessarily think of as emotions, such as mindfulness, uh, boredom. Uh, It includes things like concentration and peace and love and tranquility. Um, So it's big. This, this, uh, it also includes thoughts, beliefs, things like that. And uh, the, fr- the word he uses for this big category of experience is mental formations. So all of these things are mental formations. And um, he said, mental formations are not self. If mental formations were self, it would be possible to say of mental formations... May my mental formations be thus. May they not be thus. Try it sometime. Frustrations arising. Oh, may my frustration not be thus. May frustration vanish. You know, sometimes, occasionally, very rarely this might happen. But most of the time, the conditioning is strong. And so what mindfulness does basically is reveals this is what it feels like to be living with this conditioning. 
And because our system is finally getting this information, our system, you know, given enough kind of exposure with the mindfulness. So this is a, it is a gradual path. The Buddha said this, this journey is a gradual path. Um, given enough exposure to the um, experience of these things, the mind starts to let them go. And so it's not something that we have to do. This takes some trust. This takes trust to recognize, okay, yep, I'm waking up into this pattern, this judgment, this confusion, this anger, and yep, it's conditioned. And can I be with this and, and allow this feeling? You know, kind of understanding that the the suffering of it is actually part of how this whole path works. The mindfulness of that suffering. The very first um, noble truth, the, the, the truth of suffering, the Buddha Ing said, you know, he said, you need to understand suffering. And understand not in terms of thinking about why is it here, but, but understand it in terms of what is this experience of suffering? What is this? This experience that's arising, this frustration, this judgment, this confusion. What is this experience? And, oh, this is the suffering. This is suffering. It takes some trust to hold it. But at the same time, one of the great benefits of mindfulness is, um, this wise mindfulness that we're talking about, it it moves us in the direction um, in the guided meditation. I talked about the allowing aspect. And the wise mindfulness moves us in the direction to be able to allow, to not be so reactive, to not be judgmental about what is arising. And that includes non-reactivity about reactivity. So we don't have to stop the reactivity. If we notice, oh, there's reactivity arising, the, the movement is towards, oh, can I know this as reactivity is arising right now and feel that experience? What is it like to be a human being feeling reactivity right now? That kind of makes the container a little bit bigger. We step into a container of wise mindfulness that can hold that reactivity with some measure of allowing. So another key piece around this wise mindfulness is um, on on Monday night when I gave the talk, I talked about... um, Noticing what is happening in the present moment as opposed to thinking about or reflecting on why is something happening. I think that that's that's one of those shifts that really helps us move towards the direction of wise mindfulness. Because our habit is often, why is this happening? You know, what did I do wrong? And try to figure something out. And the curiosity about, well, what is actually happening right now? So, you know, anger's arising right now or frustration's arising right now. Not thinking about, well, okay, yeah, this happened in my life and then also I, I know that, you know, I, I did a lot of this on the playground. I got really frustrated when somebody did that kind of thing to me on the playground. So, you know, this thinking thing, you know, just thinking back on why this might be happening. That is not moving, it. that's not really what mindfulness is asking us to do. It's asking us to just look right now, in this moment, what is this experience? And so I talked about this what versus why and kind of an encouragement to allow our minds to, in mindfulness practice, shift away from the why towards the what. Today I'd like to bring in a different kind of uh, word, a different um, important Exploration, when we are looking at the what is happening, we are noticing what is happening. Sometimes 
there are habits and patterns of history of our lives um, that kind of affect how we pay attention to things, how we meet experience that are so deeply ingrained that we don't, we might not notice that. And so this is the word that I'm going to bring in here now is with the what is happening, exploring with mindfulness what is happening. It's also useful to occasionally kind of check in or explore how am I with this what that's happening? That how is also a what that's happening in the present moment. But there seems to be often some filters or views or beliefs or you know, habits of mind that are strong for us that we may not recognize, that we just kind of habitually bring to how we relate to experience. And so every now and then it can be helpful to check in Okay, this is what's happening. Anger's happening, confusion's happening, unpleasant body sensations are happening. Um, and, and how am I with this? Maybe I don't like it. Maybe it shouldn't be like this. Maybe if I were really being mindful right now, I wouldn't be experiencing this. Various beliefs, views, ideas may be influencing how we are relating you know, to the experience and how we are taking in that experience. And so it, it can be really helpful from time to time in our, um, in our mindfulness practice as we're established in noticing what is happening. You know, we've let go of the why side and are more here with what is happening. Occasionally to kind of check in. And, and how am I with this? Some other words. What's my relationship to this? Or what's the attitude? That's the word my teacher Saito Utejaniya uses. What's the attitude in the mind that's related to this? So these attitudes can be of different kind of flavors. Um, you know, we, we, could, we could have, um, you know, the basic, the basic attitudes of um, wanting something to happen wanting something to stop happening. And so those are connected with greed and aversion. And then um, maybe a kind of a confusion about what to do or uh, an uncertainty. Um, maybe a belief, a strong belief about what is right or wrong in the moment. So this is related to that delusion side of things. And so... Um, and then the other, there's another form of attitude that's worth mentioning here too, and that's what um, we could call a wise attitude. And that's an attitude that can just hold whatever's happening without judgment and without reactivity. That can have flavors of patience and um, interest, uh, calm, peace, curiosity, um, delight joy even. So the, the, flavors, the, 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 the flavors of wise attitude, there's a number of those that can be present also. And so as we're um, you know, going through our day and noticing what's happening, and in particular I'd say if it feels like you're struggling, you know, sometimes we, we might feel like it's hard to be mindful. If it feels like it's hard to be mindful, probably there's some attitude at work that is not being seen as what some, a piece of what's happening in the moment. So it's kind of like it's behind the scenes. It's, it's, it's in the background. And it's, it's almost like it's the whole way that we are oriented towards the experience. And we're not noticing that that's happening. And so, you know, maybe we're um, noticing something uh, unpleasant that's arising and we feel like it's a struggle to be with it. You know, like that something's wrong here. And, and so if you, if you have a sense of a struggle anytime in sitting meditation in daily life, if you're noticing something that's happening and it feels like it's hard to be with it, well, the first thing to check is, or, or to remind yourself is, yes, well, actually I am aware. I do know that I'm aware. I do know that I'm 
You know, it's not that mindfulness is not here. So that's a helpful piece, just to kind of recognize for yourself, well, mindfulness is here. I can, I know that it's here, but somehow it feels like it's a struggle. And so what else is happening right now? Is there something happening right now that is, that I was not aware of? So that we could ask that question in this way, what's the attitude or how am I with this? Or um, what's my relationship to what's happening? Another good one is what's being believed right now? That's, that's a strong one. It's not necessarily got an emotional tone. It might not have a sense of aversion or greed, but it's just the idea that this cannot be right. If I were being mindful, it wouldn't feel like this. Well, look again. Here you are. You're mindful and it feels like this. So the, the, the beliefs sometimes are what is affecting how we are relating to experience. That belief, it shouldn't be like this, is the very thing that is creating the struggle. And so the, the, this exploration around the relationship to experience can be very powerful, especially when we find that if, if we find that it feels particularly difficult to be mindful. So um, I like the, the two questions that I like the most at this point um, for myself are what's being believed right now and what am I not noticing? Um, just kind of like that question. Uh, and and, and it's, it's delicate to use these questions. It's, you know, sometimes when we ask a question like this, our mind might, you know, want to try to figure out the answer, think about the answer. And that's not what, this kind of encouragement is about. It's more like just kind of shaking up the mind a little bit to point, to point out to it something else is probably happening here and maybe, maybe the mind can help us see that. And so that's the way I invite these questions. It's kind of like, more like, mind, can you help me see what else is going on here? Show me. I know there's something happening here that I'm not seeing. Can you show me what's going on here? So it's more like a request. It's, it's, it comes back to that receptive aspect of the practice I talked about earlier. Um, um, so drop that question in. You know, what else is happening here? Maybe have a sense perhaps of stepping back a little bit and, uh, and then just seeing what's, what's, what's there. So an example of how this might work um, at one point I was practicing in daily life and I was doing practice in the car. I was dr- doing practice while I was driving. And I kept noticing, I was practicing with just hands on the steering wheel and a very simple kind of mindfulness of, you know, just using that as something to keep me grounded while I was driving. And I kept noticing my mind would just spinning out into thoughts. Really, just, I'd, cu- I'd come back, my hands on the steering wheel, and oh, a few seconds later, the mind was just spun out into thoughts, kind of in this restless kind of, oh, got to figure all these things out, got to figure out how to do all this stuff. It wasn't pleasant. Um, but it happened a number of times, and I just kept trying to come back, you know, with my agenda, what it means to be mindful here while driving is to have the attention with my hands on the steering wheel. But at some point, because it kept happening, I decided to use this question. Something else is going on here. I mean, this pattern, the mind is just charging out of the present moment. What is happening? And so I kind of just stepped back and said, okay, what, show me, what else is going on here? And uh, my mind showed me that what was going on was that I was really happy. I had not been aware of that. And what was going on with that, I mean, what what was happening was the mind was leaping off of that happiness and trying to figure out, how am I going to keep this? How am I going to make sure that all of my life gets arranged so that I can stay happy? And I was not even feeling happy. I was missing it. As soon as I checked into that question, okay, what else is going on here? Oh, happiness is going on here. I was like, wow, happy. (laughs) 
That's what's happening right now. This is the human experience of happiness in this moment. And the mind was, was staying with that. It wasn't leaping out to try to figure out how to keep it because it was experiencing it. So this, uh, this question of, you know, what else is happening here can be really supportive. It, it's a little broader in some ways than what's the relationship to what's happening. You know, um, in, if I'd use the what's the relationship question there, it might be, well, what's my relationship to the mind that's doing all this stuff? You know, and that would have been something like frustration or, you know, confusion or something like that. My relationship to that spinning pattern. But this stepping back to what else is happening here? What's going on? The mind just showed this is what's happening right now. So sometimes this just dropping in this question, just dropping in these questions of, and they have different flavors. So, you know, you could play with them in different ways. I'll repeat them again. What's the attitude? How am I with this? What's the relationship? Those are all three very similar Um, what's being believed right now? That one can kind of touch into views and ideas that are just so entrenched that, you know, we almost don't think of them as beliefs. They're just true. And uh, sometimes we can just recognize, oh, that's being believed right now. And then this last one, what else is happening right now? And so the use of these questions is... uh, um, and just kind of like dropping into the mind this possibility that something might show up and being available to receive it. If you notice, sometimes in checking the, the relationship, this how of experience, we might not see much. We might not notice much obvious there. That can happen for different reasons. It might happen because whatever that relationship in it is, is is a little subtle. It's kind of quiet. It also can happen because it might be that the relationship is actually one of calm or it's not a problem. And that's also pretty subtle at times. And so sometimes we, when thinking about, well, how am I with this? We might orient to looking for one of these kind of more challenging things, the, the, the greed, the aversion, the delusion. But sometimes it might be that what's going on is the mind is actually okay with this. And that can actually be really, really another good time to occasionally check in to how things are. That ask this question about, well, how am I with this? Is when it's going really well. So, you know, when it's going really well, and so I mentioned if it's, if it's a challenge, it can be useful to use these questions. If there's some kind of challenge happening, probably there'll be some kind of belief, some kind of view, something else happening that's not been seen, some relationship of greed or aversion. If it's going really well, if, you, if, if the idea or the sense is, wow, it's going really well, there could be some greed there. There could be some pride there. There could be, you know, a little bit of leaning into the experience. I've noticed all of this at times when it felt like the mindfulness was really clear and smooth and just checking in and it's like just seeing how there's just a subtle like trying to make this thing, to make this continue. So sometimes it can reveal a subtle form of greed perhaps or delusion, some kind of belief, I have to keep this going. Um, But sometimes it can reveal that what's going on in the mind is peace, well-being, ease, that we may not have noticed. This is another way that those things get cultivated, is when we actually recognize them. When we see peace happening, when we see patience happening, the mindfulness of that, as I kind of at the beginning, I was talking about these different flavors and mindfulness recognizing the distinction between these when the mindfulness recognizes patience and happiness and ease, the mind understands this is the direction. This is useful. And it wants to support those qualities of mind. And so this wise mindfulness, you know, simultaneously, it has this beautiful function, beautiful capacity of, of um, when we notice and recognize 
challenging states of mind, greed, aversion, delusion. It creates the conditions for those things to happen less often in our experience because the mind is getting this education that this is not helpful. When we recognize the wholesome qualities, these helpful qualities, when we see love and compassion and wisdom and patience and generosity, kindness, when we see those with mindfulness, mindfulness recognizes this is helpful and it creates the conditions for that to be the direction the mind goes. It increases the likelihood for those to happen more. So this is part of how the the mindfulness works. And then when we can step back and and kind of see the relationship or what else is happening sometimes, you know, we, we, we might, you know, we might not see something. But if we do, when we notice that, when we notice some kind of an attitude, you know, that is just kind of like, um, you know, it was behind the surface before, it was behind the scenes before. We weren't aware of it before, or at least consciously aware of it. And now it's kind of come into view. And, you know, we don't have to zero in on it and say, you know, oh, well, this is what's happening. I better really look at that right now. It's just, this is another part of the experience that's happening in this moment. There's this thing that's going on and this belief about it. That's what's happening right now. And so it's, it's almost like the mindfulness just expands to include that as another part of the experience. We don't have to like try to turn around and look at the attitude. We don't have to try to figure it out or, or put it under the microscope. It just becomes now in the field of this possibility of knowing, yeah, this belief is happening. And this is a human being believing something. That's what's going on right now. And then beginning to trust this capacity of mindfulness to kind of rewire us to let go of the unwholesome and move in the direction of the wholesome. So that's a very different talk than I thought I was going to give. <laughs> I gave up on my notes at some point. So, um, But there's a few minutes if there's comments or, or questions, thoughts. And, and could you use the mic? Yeah. My first time here. <laughs> Welcome. Is part of mindfulness not judging yourself, saying, saying I'm doing it wrong, or, um, you know, how did I get here? What happened to me to make, what did I do to make myself get this way? Yes. <laughs> So it's like th- those are things that are coming up and if you can recognize, oh, you know, the mind is, this is what's happening right now and the, the whole, even if, it's, even if the thought is, oh, I must not be doing it right or what did I do to get here, that's just a thought that's happening right now. So if you can just know that, oh, that's, that's what's coming up right now, that's mindfulness of it as opposed to the believing, oh, I better do something about this. What should I do? What, like, what meditation tool should I pick up in order to get rid of this thing? That it's just this, oh, this is, this is the kind of pure mindfulness approach that when we can have wise mindfulness, when, the mi- when we can have a sense of not being judgmental about having judgment, for instance, if we, can, if we, we don't, uh, if we can kind of hold or recognize, oh, the, the mind is judging right now and know that that is what the mind is doing, then it's like we are in a little bit of a bigger container of mindfulness that has a non-judgmental stance or an allowing stance around the judgment that's arising. And that is how, the, you know, the, mi- the mind seeing that is not, be, is not engaging with that judgment in the same way. So when we're not seeing it as, oh, this is a judgment arising in the moment, what happens is, oh, this is a judgment. I'm going to be judging this thing and I'm going to be trying to figure this out or fix this or change this or tell somebody they're wrong or or I'm bad or I'm... So when we're not seeing it as a thought and as a judgment, just as that's what it is, we're acting out of it. And that's what reinforces it. When we can step into this space of, Oh, it's a judgment that's happening right now. It's kind of like we put the 
the gears around that judgment into neutral so that they're not, it's not reinforcing itself. But it still may be being felt. It still may be being felt. So one caveat briefly around this whole thing is that you know, the, we have to learn and be very uh, compassionate for ourselves that it's not always possible to find that stance of, oh, this is what's arising right now. There are times when what's arising right now has so much momentum and so much um, uh, like strength, so much power, that it kind of overwhelms our ability to be mindful. And so um, we have to honor and recognize when sometimes our difficulties are stronger than our ability to be mindful. And so, you know, for myself, early in my practice, there were times when I could look at anger, I could be with anger and have that stance of, yep, that's what it feels like, doesn't feel good. And other times when I tried to be mindful of it, I just get sucked into the vortex of the anger. If you see that happening at a particular time, if you, you know, trying to, oh, this is judgment, and then you find moments later you're in the judgment, it may not be the time to try to be mindful of that. And so learning some skills with stepping aside or um, redirecting the attention, sometimes it can be useful to just put your attention in another field like seeing or hearing or something to, to give your mind some space so that it's not, it's not trying to repress those judgmental thoughts, but it's also not giving them any attention, kind of just to redirect or to step away. So we have to learn, you know, that the skill that I'm talking about, this finding this bigger container in which we can recognize, oh yes, this is what's happening. This is the human experience. It takes, it's a skill that we develop over time and it doesn't come full blown. So we have to be really compassionate with ourselves around, yeah, right now I can't look at that. I got to go take a walk and just let my attention be in my feet for a little while. So yeah, thanks for the question. And it's time to stop. So thank you all.